1: Welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Ortberg. With me this week in the studio is Bim Atawumny. Uh She is a senior culture writer for BuzzFeed News. She's based in New York City. The last time I saw her, we were in Philadelphia in the middle of the summer. And I was so hot, I couldn't tell if I was crying or if that was just the level of sweat on my face. Bim Welcome to the show. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for also bringing back the visual of last summer that I had of you. Um, Because I too was sweating like a strange creature. So it was truly, it was a very damp meeting between. It was such a wild time
1: too. I don't spend a lot of time on the East Coast. So I just am not used Mm. to the sort of like, it, it felt like I was being carried in a cat's warm mouth. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's, that's, the level. It was limiting. awful and so disorienting and bewildering. It was. I think about it, it a lot. it feels like a fever dream. And actually speaking of cats. yeah, the reason that I was a little bit late to the studio today is somebody brought their kitten into the Berkeley studio and so they were just wandering around introducing everyone to their little teeny tiny kitten, which was like so gentle and just wanted to be petted. Um, so I had to stop and really take that in for like eight minutes. That's that, I mean, that's a valid reason. I myself, I am I
0: am not a cat person, even though we had cats when I was growing up. And then as soon as we kind of, you know, they left our lives, I was like, oh, I don't even really like cats. So it's my life's dream now to get a dog. Um, but I'm also very aware that I'm not from here. So if I got a dog, I don't know how I would transport them back home when my American journey came to an end. So I just stare longingly at strangers' dogs on the streets, which is, as you can imagine, intensely creepy. This was
1: such an emotional journey to be taken on. First of all, thank you for just, like, <laughs> taking me through the life of your experience with pets. Um, I, I, okay. I, I'm i definitely equal parts a cat and dog person. Um, Right, you're very which lucky. I also like. It feels so on the nose to say that, right? It's just it, it basically feels like okay, we get it. You're bisexual, um, <laughs> but like I am a dog and a cat person, both. And I also just love it when people bring their pets anywhere, especially sure. because it's it's just like I don't have to do anything. I'm not responsible for the animal mm. in question. I don't have to mm. care for it in any way. I just get to pet it on the head and then like skip mm-hmm. along my merry way. So. I feel the
0: same way about babies, so I truly understand everything you're saying. It makes
1: sense. Fantastic. Well, in the spirit of just, like, frivolously dipping in and out of other people's lives and responsibilities and then skipping on our merry way, (laughs) why why don't we tell a bunch of strangers how to live their lives and then, uh, you know, never discuss them again? Let's do that. Wonderful. Well, I'm so excited and I'm so glad that you're here. And I would love it if you would do the honor of reading the very first letter. Of course. So...
0: (sighs) This, uh, this letter. Says, um, the subject is intrusive questions in casual conversation. Um, so, dear Prudence, I moved to an English speaking country full of friendly people. When asked, I am happy to disclose that I'm from the Indian subcontinent. I often get strange comments or questions as a follow up. I can usually deal with well-intentioned comments expressing surprise at how, quote unquote, good my English is. But a weird and intrusive follow up question I've gotten a few times now is, oh, you don't look dark enough to be from there. Were one of your parents white or something? I'm usually left speechless since I'm not used to casual questions about the skin colour of one's parents being a topic of conversation among strangers. What is a polite way to respond to this while making it clear that it's not an appropriate question to ask a relative stranger? Oh,
1: God. incredible.
0: People are trash. Incredible.
1: God. Do you think it's necessary to be polite in response to a question
0: like that? No, I do not, but I believe very much in radical unfriendliness. Um, and I think this is a prime time to bring that forth. Just kind of lean into them kind of semi-menacingly and just say, why don't you fuck off? Now, of course, you can't say that. And it helps that I have a British accent, which is pleasing to many American ears. So
1: it does confuse
0: us. It does. It, I can listen. That's the one takeaway from all the reporting I've done in this country is that if you say it with a smile and a charming British accent, you can say the most offensive things.
1: So You're halfway home, and I'd, and then I just think, <laughs> I think she told me to fuck myself.
0: Exactly. It's kind of like, I, I do believe she chose some excellent words, and I was seduced. Um, I just think there are times when you have to kind of rein in the urge to kind of go off, and this doesn't feel like one of them. Now, this is a personal thing. Um, I have, obviously, my name is Bim Adewonmi. It's a Nigerian name. It's a Yoruba name. And I have had people compliment me on how well I speak English before, to which I always reply, well, that's lucky because I was born and raised in England. And also I'm a journalist. Um, but I think I, I, I don't think you have to be polite when you are telling people that that is an inappropriate question because they haven't done you the courtesy of being polite by asking such a fucking stupid question to begin with. Um, so I always just kind of I smile very, um, a very tight smile, you know, and I just kind of go, what do you mean? And then allow them to say the question a second time so they can hear how ridiculous it is. And if they say it again, I go, I'm sorry, I don't understand. What do you mean? Say, explain it to me like I'm six. And then over and over until you break down quite how foolish their question is. And it becomes apparent to them.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Letter writer, you have both of our full permission to be as impolite as you like in response to such a question. Um, If it is not your desire to prolong the conversation, or if you are mostly looking for the quickest way to get out of it, that is also fine. If if you Mm -hmm. don't want to get into it, you don't have to. That's true. Um, A a, a great thing that this is not original to me. I have heard this from other people giving advice Uh, is just just something as simple as like a pause. And then you must be so embarrassed to have said that.
0: (laughs) Also, very good. Yes, that's good. That's very, very good. Which is
1: very polite. It is. Um, You know, it's not you're not cursing them out. Um, You are being very clear that they have committed a social like faux pas, which is true. And sometimes it is as it is the politest thing you can do mm. to point out to someone they have just stepped in it. Mm, um, mm, so mm. to just say something like, now that you've had a second to think about it, I'm sure you're embarrassed that you asked that question. Let's move on. Mm, mm. Um, that makes it clear you're not going to indulge that line of thinking, right. but that it also doesn't open you up for a sort of back and forth. If that's, if that's all true. you want, I think I think yours is fabulous and would be wonderful if you were sort of like, hey, I have a few minutes, I'm willing to try to get someone to reexamine some of their absurd premises, which is that mm. like one of the largest subcontinents in the world apparently doesn't contain within it a wide variety of possible like phenotypes, right? I mean, I've had that. I've yeah. had someone
0: say to me once when they basically they started off by doing that thing that everyone loves, where they try to guess <laughs> what my parentage was. And then after getting it wrong, like two or three times, um, I said, OK, uh, N- N- Nigeria. And he was like, yep, knew it. You've got the you've got the you've got the West African face shape. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you don't get wow. to. Yeah, I was taken aback. Like literally, you know, people use that expression. I was taken yeah, aback, yeah. but I was actually taken aback. I think I think my my hand th- kind of went to my throat in a very dramatic, pearl-clutching fashion. Like, are you mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. you serious? And he said this with like a completely blank look on his face, like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, guessed it, knew it. And I looked at because yeah. he wasn't my friend. He was a friend of a friend. And I looked at my friend as if to say, why am I here? Why is this man here? And if I stabbed him, would you call the cops? Because I was so incensed, but I was also just kind of... Uh, like I was dumbfounded. I, my mouth just wouldn't make sounds. I just could only do, like, increasingly panicked looks with my eyes. Just kind of right. like, what is and, this?
1: And there's there's already the sort of like. The, there's the separate category of dumb shit mm. um, that a lot of people say, not realizing that the person they're saying it to hears it all the time, right. right. Um, that depending on your personal level of politeness in and, and the situation, you might be willing to overlook, which in this case, like this letter writer is kind of saying, like, yes, a lot of people seem to think uh, that commenting on my English is like information I didn't already have right. So, like, that's already dumb to begin with, right? Like everyone who is speaking a language on purpose is probably reasonably aware of their own facility with that language. Right. Right. Like you and I are currently speaking fluently in English at one another. Neither one of us is surprised that that's happening because we both know that <laughs> we speak English quite fluently. I mean, that was a social um,
0: contract. Yes. We yeah, both so we came no into one, this knowing we were, we were both going to be speaking English.
1: Yeah, no one's no one's gonna. If you say to anyone, "Wow, your English is really good," that's not news. Like they're not gonna be like, "Wow, is it?" I I, I had no idea. Here, I thought <laughs> that you and I were speaking like Farsi or or binary to one another. Like right. they know. So again, it's one of those things like telling someone they're tall that, <laughs> like they know they hear that a lot. Right. You don't need to say anything about it. Right. But this this is definitely not in that category. This is like. Uh, completely idiotic, mm. rude, way personal. It violates sort of all the normal first conversation rules we have. Right. So there is no need to be polite to this. There is no need to explain to someone. Everyone knows. That, right? Like, we all know you don't bring up the topic of somebody else's parents' skin color right. on the first conversation, especially in the sense of, like... uh. I, I, I don't believe this skin color could exist in right. India. Like right. that's just um It's
0: also kind of like co-opting your like you said, like I know who my parents are, I know what my family lineage is, I know all of this. So you a stranger telling me, Oh, I you don't look dark enough.
1: Like, are you huh? It's just And it's like one of the biggest countries in the world. I mean right. again, like there's so many ways in which it is a dumb, terrible thing to right. say. But like But also it's like stupid really yeah, like that. That country stretches from like below, well below the equator, to like pretty damn far north. There's right. a lot of variety of peoples within that massive range. Right. It just betrays. Uh, yeah. It
0: betrays like a, a weird centralizing of your knowledge and your or what you think is your knowledge. And so, if someone even slightly deviates from what you assume in your tiny, tiny brain you know to be as you know that's the correct thing then it just kind of sets off a series of you know explosions in your tiny brain and so you have to articulate that by going you don't look dark enough and it's just like shut your whole mouth your entire mouth it's also like
1: this was famously a line that like michael scott said on the american version of the office and like if you're at that level it's not it's not a, like he he he's meeting Rashida Jones and he says like the first thing he says to her is wow you're so exotic looking was Aww. your dad a GI <laughs> and everyone on screen like their jaws drop so like when someone is at that level um, you can be polite that's very great but you can absolutely just say something like what an invasive personal stupid question yes um, I'm not going to answer that why would you ask me that any anything along those lines feel free to be. I mean, I don't don't like slap them in the face and, and no. call them names. And but like short of that, you don't have to worry about being You polite. don't. I mean, the question that she said specifically
0: was, what is a polite way to respond to this while making it clear? And that's why I, I chose the option of asking them, what do you yes. mean? What do you yes, mean? Yes, because that is very polite. It is. It's kind of like, no, no, no. You know, and you do this with like just like, you know, a, a very polite. Blank smile. What do you mean? And you look fake interested like oh, I really want to know what you were thinking. So what do you mean? And if you say that with like, you know, where you can hear a smile in someone's voice. I always think if you can if you can hear the smile, what do you mean? And then you can see just how ridiculous and you do it with wide right. eyes, like, you know, puss in boots, just the biggest eyes you can. Go. What do you what do you yeah. mean?
1: <laughs> what do it you, will what knock do you out, mean? you know, 90 percent of the people who ask that question, they will get flustered and embarrassed. That's the hope. There will be at least 10 percent who will absolutely double down. Right. And they will further elaborate. And those people, again, if, if if that comes up, feel free to say I'm not going to speak to you anymore. Good day. And then go get an hors d'oeuvre or something. Right. And that's still polite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, you get the freedom to really like move in a lot of different directions here because they have so seriously flouted the rules of like social engagement. True. All right, so now that we are off to the races, uh, (laughs) we're going to move from an incredibly specific problem to a question that was, I think, perhaps intentionally left vague. And I'm sort of interested to hear your take on it. The subject of this one is just upcoming wedding blues. Mm. Dear Prudence, my best friend disapproves of my fiancé. At first, she said that I didn't have to invite her to the wedding. Then she told me that she has considered seeing a therapist because of my upcoming nuptials. She realized that she wants nothing to do with him. I understand because she was there for me during the last breakup two years ago and can't get past what happened. However, she hasn't acknowledged the changes that I've seen in him. I haven't spoken to her since that last conversation. How can I move forward with this friendship? I love her very much, but I feel like I have to choose. So I don't normally include questions that are this vague and Mm. open-ended. But there was something about this that sort of leapt out at me because, and again, this is totally just my reading in between the lines. I feel like Whatever happened during the last breakup two years ago, there is a reason this letter writer has not included it. Right. Because they are aware that it would sound probably pretty objectively like a deal breaker to us. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 At least that was my read. My read on this is not the friend is being unreasonable. My read on this is your friend is concerned about your safety. Yes. And or well-being. That was my read also. Because, like you said, I I kept thinking, like, once I read the letter, I
0: thought, well, what did he do? What did he do? Because I think if someone is your friend, um, your best friend, they've seen you through some truly awful things. That's my feeling. And they've also seen you through your your, your greatest highs and your lowest lows. And if that friend, for whatever reason, is (sighs) more than hesitant. I mean, even the opening thing when she said... um, um, she said, I don't have to invite her to the wedding, which mm. is it, it sounds passive aggressive. But that's a friend who I think was giving her an out. Like, I don't have I don't want to have to engage with this. And yes, it was, I guess, sort of passive aggressive. But she was making it very clear that this is something that she can't get past.
1: Yeah. No, to me, this reads as either her fiance did something uh, that was physically violent mm. Um profoundly controlling that Mm. had something to do with like monitoring her communications with other people, forbidding her to see other people Mm. um, like forbidding her to leave the house um, or like extensive, extensive cheating and emotional abuse. Right. Um, Again, it would be something along those lines Mm. um, where the friend in question says, I love you. I want to be here for you if, and when you ever decide to leave him, like I don't want to close that Avenue, but I can't support your marrying him. Right. Right? This, this, Pretty clearly, especially because the letter writer says, I understand why she feels like she can't support our getting married, which suggests, letter writer, um, that you you see some merit to what she's saying, that she's not just judging him or hasn't given him a chance or just doesn't like the way he is at dinner parties. Like, this Mm. is pretty serious stuff about his character um, and the way that he treats you.
0: Right. And I thought... So with that... Yeah, go for it. No, no, (laughs) just... When she says she hasn't acknowledged the the changes that I've seen in him, that to me was what then kind of brought me short as well, because I just thought, well, what he did must have been so bad that she wasn't even necessarily interested in in his the rehabilitation um, of whatever he did, which again is like a massive red flag to me. Like right. if I had seen something or, or you know, had ex- experienced this kind of secondhand through my best friend, I don't think I would be interested in hearing about how he's got better if I thought it was something that the breakup was a, the right thing to do and I'd seen her through whatever trauma you know of that of that breakup was I just I don't know I I, I don't I honestly this this one left me very very stumped um because yep. I just I, I like you said I think it was something very very serious like a real doozy of of an offense
1: yeah. um
0: and I don't know how someone who has seen that um but perhaps hasn't seen what you say is a change in them. I, You know, if I hadn't seen a change either, then I, I, I would also would ask to be, you know, disinvited from your wedding.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like there's a couple of possibilities for that. Again, we don't have sufficient information to give like a really fantastic answer that we know will fit her situation. But mm-hmm. I think there's some things that we can sort of intuit. Um, one of which is, um, your friend may not have acknowledged the changes that you've seen in him because she hasn't seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be that he has sufficiently demonstrated his changed behavior to the world outside of your relationship. And that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if it's that, that would suggest that his changes have more to placating you when the two of you are together than in a genuine change of heart. Um, another possibility is that he has not changed at all. Um, Is that you very much want to believe that whatever he did, he will never do again. And he is very invested in keeping you with him. So he is very invested in convincing you that he has changed um, when in fact he has not. And I think that's a real possibility that you need to acknowledge. Mm. Um, And I want to say that gently, because again, I don't know exactly what's going on inside your relationship, but it's clear that whatever is going on, you feel reluctant to tell other people about it, um, you feel protective of him, and that, again, like, it's not necessarily that he is abusive, but those are all hallmarks of an abusive relationship. Um, so, I would urge you, letter writer, to really consider, do I think my best friend is really judgmental and suspicious, or is it possible that my fiancé has not done a thorough job of mending his ways and demonstrating to the world at large that he would never again treat me in such a way that would give the people who love me the most pause at the thought of our getting married. Right. Yeah.
0: And you so know, yeah. I think that's the I feel I have to choose, I think, is something that you you may or may not have to in the long run. But I do think, right. you know, as, as you said, Mallory, I think it's I think it's something that you have to really kind of examine properly. You have to give yourself the space, the headspace to, like you know, to ask the question: Am I doing too much trying to kind of convince the people that love me that this person has changed in a way that right? Why do not... I feel like that's
1: my job? Right, that's his job. Right, you know. It's... Yeah, and he, if he is really. If he really cares for you and and, and wants you to be happy and healthy and well, he should be profoundly concerned Mm. that some of the people closest to you are suspicious of him. Not because he wants everyone to like him, but because he should want the people who are the most like core pillars of your support network to know that they can trust you with him. Mm. Um, So you don't say anything about whether or not he's aware of this, whether it bothers him, what he has tried to do to convince your best friend that he's not going to do something that we don't know what it is cuz you've left that blank that would give her cause to frankly like she doesn't disapprove of this she it sounds like she fears for you she's she's talking about going to therapy mm. about the the fact that you're marrying this man and unless she is an incredibly unreasonable volatile outrageous person which you don't say um she wants to go to therapy because what you are doing terrifies her yeah and it's worth examining
0: why that's yeah. a feeling that she's feeling, um, yeah. which is not to say that your feelings don't matter, but it is something that I think is worth examining.
1: Yeah. So I would say in terms of, again, I, I don't have any sort of like smoking gun evidence that that's exactly your situation. So with the information I do have, I would say, I think you need to acknowledge that she does not want to come to your wedding. It doesn't sound like for you that is a total deal breaker. Right. So if that's something that you can do, say, I love you. I understand that you can't be there um, and don't push it. Um, You know, you can leave the line of communication open. It doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be coming over for a dinner party every week, but Mm -hmm. if there's a way for you two to stay in some form of contact with one another, um, I I urge you to do that because my guess is you will eventually need to leave this guy. And when you are able and ready to do that, she's going to be there for you. It sounds like she's, kind of ride or die for you and that's a good thing for
0: sure do
1: you think there's anything else we can advise the letter writer anything else that we might have missed or
0: i mean i i just i don't want the letter writer to to think that they have to choose i think that's Mm -hmm. that that for me is it's such a it's such a hard line to even write i feel like i have to choose is for me a a startling hallmark of Someone who should not be making that choice. Um, you know, just like you said, I think it's one of those things where you have to just kind of acknowledge that her feelings are valid and try your best to keep that channel open. Because even if you do end up ha- happily ever after with your fiance and everything goes, you know, wonderfully well, which I hope for you and pray for you. But even if it did go that way, you <laughs> she's your best friend. I'm thinking she was there before this person and has done you good in the course of your life and as you have done her. So I think this is not, you should not be so, please do not discard this friendship. If you, if you can maintain it, I would urge you to do so. I think this is right. something that's important.
1: Especially because, you know, your friend is not saying, if you don't leave him, I can't speak to you. Your friend is not trying to push you into anything. She's just drawing a line for herself. And it's a difficult line, of course. I don't want to pretend that it's easy to have your best friend say that they can't attend your wedding. But um, whatever contact you are able to maintain with her, even if it's just a phone call every once in a while or occasionally getting lunch together, just the two of you and not really talking too much about your, your partner. Right. I would urge you to keep that support in your life. Alright, on to a totally different topic. Yes. Uh, this next letter read it, would you? Yes, I would. Um
0: so the subject is I'm Polly and my dad refuses to meet my boyfriend. Dear Prudence, my husband and I have been polyamorous for a number of years and last fall came out to my parents. It went about as well as I could have hoped, with my parents generally being accepting and supportive. They asked a number of questions, and my husband and I talked to them about our other long-term partners. My parents are planning on visiting in the next few weeks, and I ask them about meeting my boyfriend of over four years. My mom is on board, but my dad is flat out refusing to do so. He says he already has a son-in-law and doesn't need a boyfriend-in-law. I am sad and disappointed with his reaction. What is your advice for broaching this topic with my dad? Whew. Okay, What say you? I mean, modern life is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there are lots of concepts that various generations had never had to grapple with and are now having to grapple with them. I think it's wonderful that you felt happy and confident um, enough to tell your parents about your lifestyle. Um, Because I know that there are lots of people who basically kind of shutter away um parts of themselves for fear of you know alienation or you know being uh, ridiculed or or set aside. So shout out to you for doing that. Um, I oof, I read that listen, I think everyone has experience of a parent not being all the way there with your romantic choices. um, and I think you have to realize, as I'm sure you already have. That your relationship is your relationship. After a certain point, if you are happy and you are not harming anybody, I think you just might have to accept that your parents, or in this case, your dad, just doesn't want to meet your boyfriend. And I think that is hurtful. Of course it is. But it's also, it's, it's, it's one small, tiny fly in the ointment of your life. And I don't think that you should focus necessarily on that fly because your parents are aware that you have a boyfriend. They're aware that you are happy. They're aware that your husband is happy. And I think, well, sometimes you just make do with the the, the qualified happiness of your parents. You just make do.
1: Yeah, I think I'm inclined to be reasonably in that category, um, especially because being with multiple partners is such a shift um, from everything that we have socially set up in terms of dating, at right. least in like, you know, modern United States live in, which I assume is, is where this letter writer is writing to be from. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know. I do want to acknowledge on the one hand, it's not like you're asking your father to meet some guy you've only been with for a couple weeks. Like this is somebody you've been partnered with for four years. It's significant to you. Um, So I understand the hurt. I also just think, man, in terms of just realistically, the average even kind of open minded, progressive parent is going to have a difficult time at the prospect of meeting multiple partners. Not everyone in the world, not give up on trying, not let's all just accept that things are the way that things are and never try to change them. But mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a situation where you should look for the good, um, always try to keep a channel uh, available, open between yourself and your dad, um, and and hope that it may someday change. But. Um, like, I don't I definitely don't think this is a category of you need to draw a line and say, dad, either you meet him or I can't keep you in my life. Right. Because, um, you know, like he loves your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he is aware that you're poly. He is not like regularly sending you emails or leaving you voicemails about how that's bad and awful and he disapproves. Right. Um, he's OK with it in a kind of hypothetical way. And that's something. Right. Like, that's mm-hmm. really You can work with that.
0: Exactly. Um, And I don't think any of us are. I think everyone starts out um, with a firm yes or a firm no. And then slowly, if you're lucky, um, things change. I, I, I... I don't think I've ever had a position at the beginning of the year that I haven't at least a little bit shifted on by the end of a year. So I, I think you know, like my and it saying, hasn't
1: been a year; it's only been this right. last fall. It's been like six months,
0: right? Like I think there are you know, I, you know exactly that it's not something that you draw a line in and go, well, that's it. Then I'm out. I think you have to kind of give them time to evolve, um, right? You know, because sometimes that is something that is possible. I, I'm reminded of. You know, the the conversation that, you know, Barack Obama had, uh, the, the former president, when he when somebody asked him about. Thank you for
1: that reminder. We listen, did once live in that world, I mean, didn't we?
0: It's easy to forget. It's It feels like it's been 700 years of President Trump. Yes, so, it does. <laughs> I just want to remind our younger listeners <laughs> that once there was a man who had large ears. <laughs> um, but um, and he said something about, you know, I've evolved uh, in my thinking about, you know, sexuality or whatever it was. And he got some flack for that and i I understood the flack because we're talking about real lives that are being lived at the moment. but on the other hand, I also thought, do you know what a lot of us need convincing on even what seems to be the most basic obvious thing and we do evolve thankfully thankfully, we evolve and I think that is something that you have to bear in mind that there there may come a time when you know it it's been four years with your boyfriend and hopefully many more years to come and In that time, your father may well come around and consider this, his wife, your mother is fine with it. You know, that's pretty great. Right. And she who knows what softening effects she might have. And who knows also just the the time. Time really matters here. You know, you just told them this is a shock, I imagine, for them. And then the shock wears off. And, you know, who knows, maybe you go out to lunch with your boyfriend and your mom and your mom comes home and goes, oh, ex's boyfriend is just lovely. And it begins right. something. It begins something. yes You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good point. I think you can absolutely say, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm disappointed to hear that. Um and, and and then, like, you don't have to pretend that it's fine. You can right. absolutely say that. But I think don't necessarily get into an argument about it. Don't push. If your mom is available and wants to come meet your boyfriend, I think you should do that. Absolutely. And I also just want to sort of piggyback on what you said earlier about Obama's statements because I want to head something a little bit off at the pass uh, because he was talking about gay people, LGBT people. Um, And sometimes people like to compare stuff. And sometimes that can be useful, and sometimes it's not. Mm. And I think this is a case where uh, being gay is not the same thing as being poly. That's true. Um, It's not a direct analog. There are certainly plenty of parallels but i also just get real nervous when somebody says no for sure well because this and this happened with gay people such and such should happen with poly people which also kind of implies by the way that there's like a venn diagram that doesn't overlap where like gay and poly people are opposites which they're not exactly Um, and
0: i i i I, I should apologize and make that clear i was not trying to kind of draw that parallel there i was saying just i was trying to draw the example of the idea that we evolve on things that we assumed would just didn't exist or, or,
1: or that we was alien to us. Um and and, we and do, to, to, to put it in another way, like over the last thirty years there have been numerous representations of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans people to varying degrees, obviously like leaning much, much, much more heavily on cis gay white men. Mm. Um, but there have been a variety of um, representations of those identities, those relationships. Um, it's been part of the national conversation. Um, so there has been a lot of chance for various people at various times to absorb different messages. Again, that's not to say all those representations or even many of them have been positive, but right. but it's been part of the conversation, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas polyamory Brand spanking new in terms of the cultural conversation that sort of mainstream culture is having. Right. Um, still largely like a conversation that's being led on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, like, your dad may have, over- you know, he might have seen like Billy Crystal's character in soap and been like, ah, that's a gay person, like back in 79, um, and still never have heard of or seen the representation of a polyamorous polyamorous relationships so again they are not the same thing i don't i don't want to encourage anybody to draw a lot of parallels but to bear in mind this is a huge shift for the vast majority of people in terms of what they think of as ethical loving committed successful love to look like right Um, and i feel like quite strongly that polyamory is like a valid healthy admirable wonderful way to live your life if that's what works for you um, I believe we should all be moving towards to like a place where people can be out about being polyamorous Mm -hmm. in their lives Mm -hmm. um, that it has to do with commitment and the people who are a part of your life it's not just a sex thing and um, it's not like too much information to want to come out to the people you care about about like a long-term relationship Um, so I just want to make that clear but you know but I think when
0: it comes to broaching the topic I don't think you can do much more than what you have done you know you've made it clear to him that this is your life you've made it clear that this is something that is just you know the reality of your life um and he's he's aware which i think is the beginning of it's not the end of something you know he he he's aware and the hope is that he will eventually understand that this is not some you know some frivolous small thing this is something that you know, you and your husband and your boyfriend and your husband's partner as well. It's just, it's it's a choice that you have made and you are happy with it. And my hope is that, you know, your kind of serene happiness with the state of affairs will eventually kind of unlock your dad and will allow him to see that, you know, you are still his child and you are happy and you are healthy and you are doing what you want to do. And that hopefully will be something that is a spur to him. To, to understand that, you know, get on board, essentially.
1: Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next letter writer is in love with their boss. Oof. Oof. And boy, oh boy, there's just nothing that can be done about it. Unfortunately, they are now on a roller coaster, on a fixed track, and there's nothing to do but (laughs) ride the ride. No other option. Dear Prudence, I've recently started a new job at a new location for a company I've worked for for the last three years came in to find my new boss as a former co-worker from another location. Despite my best efforts, I'm falling for him. He's a great boss, sweet, funny. We get along really well and are on the same page about everything. I think he may be interested in me too, as he is touchy. Grabbing my shoulders, putting his hand on my back, our knees touch when we sit together. He's always in my personal space. He compliments me, goes out of his way to talk to me. We have a ton of inside jokes, and he always has a huge smile whenever I talk to him. I also catch him watching me frequently. So this is all great, right? Wrong. He is a long-term live-in partner, compounded by the fact that he is my boss. How do I find out for sure if he's interested? I can't ask him out, and I feel strange asking him to be friends outside of work. What do I do? My feelings won't die down, and I only seem to like him more as time goes on and we spend more time together. Help. I got to tell you, I was real surprised by how that compounded with the fact that he is my boss sentence ended. <laughs> I was not expecting to hear, how do I find out if he's interested? I, I was I, really expecting, how do I get a lid on these feelings? Listen, but... I did
0: a, a full cartoon eyebrows shooting up to my hairline. Like, oh, oh, that's that was not the ending I saw to that sentence. So you were not alone yeah. in that.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that. I also, letter writer, just want to for whatever it's worth, I want to throw this out there. When you stop to sort of rhetorically ask, so this is all great, right? No, that is not what any of us were thinking. None of us were sitting here thinking, this is the great start to a beautiful relationship. All of us were thinking, oh, you dummy, you dummy, get out, get out. The house is haunted and a ghost is right behind you. The call is literally coming from inside
0: the house. Get out.
1: Yeah, Just. no, it, the fact that he has a long-term live-in partner was not the first problem in your letter. It was not. And you should not be looking to find out if he is interested. Oh. Uh, the one ray of hope in this otherwise insensible letter was, uh, I feel strange asking him to be friends outside of work. That is the one instinct of yours that has like a degree of sensibility and self-preservation to it. <laughs> Follow that feeling. Fan the flames of that feeling of strangishness. Grow yeah. that
0: single hair in that one single follicle until it's a full head of hair. Just keep growing that hair. I think that's, yeah, that that was pretty much the only spot that made me think, oh, okay, oh, okay, there's room here. Because, right. God, God, I mean, from the, uh, whoo. Also, can I just bring not, up something about. Yeah, about, always. The the question, the, the sentence that began, despite my best efforts, I am so interested in what these efforts entail, because how right. does one not fall? I, 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 despite my best efforts is a, a miraculous sentence. Explain to me what those efforts are.
1: I got to say, I think my best, like if it was so dire that I thought I run the risk of compromising my future at this company, um, contributing to the end of somebody else's partnership, and nice. just co- needlessly complicating my own personal life for goodness knows how long. My best efforts are going to include, frankly, looking for a transfer. Right. Um, limiting my contact with this person, not going out of my way to have inside jokes with them. Yeah. Asking them very politely to not touch me unless no they need to in the course of our work. Like, None. Don't touch uh, my arms
0: or my shoulders. Don't grab my. Don't put your hand on my back. Don't. Yeah. You know. Do not be in my personal space. Walk. I, I, yeah. Whew. I mean, I read this and, and I, I started tell you, sweating. I was sweating yeah, reading it.
1: It's so stressful. It, they also, like, they say that uh, they've recently started the new job. Mm. Um, my feelings won't die down, which, again, implies to me sometimes we feel like when we want something, especially <laughs> if we want something we know we're quote unquote not supposed to have, it feels like. These feelings are so powerful that it would be impossible not to give in to them. They will only get stronger. So if Mm. I don't give in to them now after four and a half weeks of, like, increasing (laughs) intensity, my God, six months from now, I'll be unable to look at him without achieving orgasm. Um, That's (laughs) just not true. That's one of the lies that our dumb animal brain tells us in order to get us to give in to our, like, impulses. Um, I promise you, letter writer, you are capable of being very attracted to your boss. And not doing anything about it. Um, it is such a lie when people say, I just couldn't help my feelings. Right. You can't help your feelings.
0: You absolutely can't. I mean, I was reminded of that Steve Martin film, um, The Man With Two Brains, when he says, mm-hmm. you know, send me a sign just any sign and like <laughs> you know the photo basically he's he's caught within a hard a rock and a hard place and he's kind of calling out to the ancestor i think it's his mother just send me a sign and behind him there is a portrait of someone and it's spinning it's spinning on the on its axis and he's like oh i guess you no know, sign and i think yeah. this is very much a clear case of mm, i guess no sign there are several signs i think this is something that you really need to sit down and kind of truly kind of sort Sort your feelings um, from, as Mallory has pointed out, the thing about it's so intense in these these four weeks, I know he's my soulmate. And it's like, well, is he? Is he really?
1: Yeah. Uh, because I Will you l- never feel this way about never. anyone else ever like, again?
0: I, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think this person is your soulmate because if they were, my feeling is they would be single. Um, that's my feeling. I mean, I may be wrong. I'm not an expert on soulmates, but I, I think if Or at the very least polyamorous. Right, at the very least. And they will not and be not your, boss. your boss. Right. Yeah. Look at that. We yeah. didn't even plan that, and that was like a duet. <laughs> they, they would not be your boss. You know, boss. Ben, despite my best efforts, I, I think I'm <laughs> falling for you. Despite my best efforts, Mallory, I'm moving in with you.
1: I think nothing <laughs> to be done about it. It isn't inevitable as an earthquake.
0: And I just think that you have to truly sit down and, you know, look yourself in the mirror. And just talk to yourself like you would, you know, sternly to a best friend. What are you doing, sis? What are you, what are you doing? I don't yes. think this is just, I think you, and that's the thing, I think deep down, deep, deep down, I must, you know, I must stress that deep, deep, deep down, you know that this is wrong because. <sighs>
1: Not just wrong, but unwise. Like, this is it's my just point. Not a like, good strategy. It's, it's, it's a it's
0: a poor strategy for you. It's a wrong strategy for you. I think this is something that you know. And so I think it might be Mallory and I's job to kind of explain and point out very explicitly why. The first thing, like I said, and Mallory said, This is your boss. And yes, they were a former co worker from another location, but they are now currently they are your boss. There are ethical issues.
1: At the very least, he could fire you tomorrow. This sweet, funny guy that you agree yes, with about anything, who touches your could shoulders, fire you, could fire you, or lay you. you off tomorrow, without and you would not have recourse.
0: Right? There are situations that are avoidable, and those that are unavoidable. And this, to me, feels very much like an avoidable problem. This is right. something that will complicate your life in ways that it should not be complicated.
1: Because you know something else you know about him, in addition to the fact that you guys are on the same page about everything. Whatever that means, right? Like, you mm-hmm. you can't have worked together for more than six months or a year. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said recently. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that remarkable that you guys get along about things, right? Like, you also just haven't spent that much time together. I know it might feel like forever, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you also know he is the kind of person who is willing to, like, put his hand on the back of his employees and touch knees with his employees. And it's cool for you because you're into it, but, right. like... That's actually kind of not okay to do. And, like, a good boss who really cared about the comfort and security and well-being of his employees would not do that even if he was really attracted to somebody that he worked with. Right. So, like, you also know that he has some bad judgment when it comes to workplace boundaries. And if you didn't like it, if you didn't welcome that behavior, if you felt uncomfortable every time he put his hand on your back, then that would mean he was a shitty boss. Right. So— I know we're kind of coming down on you, and, and I partly I'm doing that because you just seem so blithely unaware of what mm-hmm. a colossally bad idea this is. And it seems mm-hmm. like you kind of think, like, you know, if I could just figure out if he likes me too, we'll figure mm. out all this boss and partner stuff. Right.
0: Don't, and his, don't. He, he, don't. His, his behavior, I think, just... As Malish pointed out, his behavior reeks of just a series of just bad judgment calls. The yeah. idea of him, you know, you, I mean, inside jokes are fine, whatever. That that happens when you work with someone closely. Fine, fine. We all have jokes. But then this, I, he always has a huge smile whenever I talk to him. I catch him watching me frequently. I, mate, I find that quite creepy and that's wrong headed. Right. That's yeah. wrong headed. It's barely okay when it's someone you work with on the same level. But if it's your boss, I mean, yeah consider just consider how that looks just just consider it i don't want you to even if if somebody i want you to treat this 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 letter as though somebody else wrote in and told you about it would would there be alarm bells ringing in your mind right um i think there might be a couple and i think that's something that you have to examine and then i mean and this is all before even the fact that the secondary thing which is he's in a long-term living relationship i yeah I mean,
1: oof. yeah, I mean, maybe he is. I'm not trying to say he's like the world's greatest monster. I'm saying he's making a lot of bad decisions. He's not being as good a boss as you think he is. Right. Let's, let's leave open the possibility that mm-hmm. the two of you have so profound a connection that it has caused both of you to act in a way that's really out of character. That neither mm-hmm. of you would ever do it with any other employee or boss. Um, mm-hmm. It's a one time only thing. Even if we accept that the way that you guys get together is not by increasingly crossing a physical line with one another at work and then falling into something and mm-hmm. pretending, whoops, how did this happen? And it's like, well, you know how it happened. You walked deliberately up to the line, <laughs> stuck a toe over it, then stuck your whole foot over it, then leapt over it, and then asked, gee, how did this happen? It happened on purpose because you did it. Right. Um, so if nothing else, know that neither one of you has as much plausible deniability as you think you do. Um, right? but like even even if you guys aren't meant to be together, it's not going to be while he's your boss mm-hmm. and it's not going to be while he's with a long-term committed partner. So right. if nothing else, the time for you guys to get together is sure as shit not now. So right all that in mind and i don't think you guys should get together i don't think he is the guy for you i think he is an attractive person who's willing to flirt with you at work when he should be working right um and And understandably, that makes you feel good
0: as it it should because when someone attractive flirts with you it is nice it is heartwarming but then you bear in mind all the other variables that are swimming around and the key thing here is that he is your boss and that is that is just a that is a bad scene I think that is something that you should not be uh, encouraging.
1: So my advice to you, letter writer, do not try to find out for sure if he is interested. Uh, put that question to rest. Don't Please. worry about it. Let it be a mystery for the ages. Let it be something that you wonder about as you are an old woman. When you right. look back on the many loves of your life. Right. Um, Smiling a secret s- smile. Exactly. <laughs> it may be that there is for a long time. Perhaps indefinitely a real spark between the two of you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to tell you that's necessarily going to go away. But you absolutely have the choice of whether or not you want to try to fan that spark as hard as you can right. to see what you can burn down mm-hmm. uh, versus letting it just be a pilot light that you don't try to fuck around with, right? Right. Like, don't it light it away. <laughs> burn. You could burn down like your personal life, your professional life, his uh-huh. personal life, or you could have a sort of pleasant, very background, very chaste sort of vibe with your boss that's mm-hmm. kind of nice, but you don't go out of your way to fan it and right. you look for available people right. who could date you and, and can't you be available you. You'd be available to
0: that as well. I think a key part of this is going to be you talking yourself down from this kind of you seem to be caught up in an upward spiral of feelings and i think this is something that you can you can pull yourself out of this particular riptide this is not this is not an inevitable there is no inevitability as yet in this and you can you can you can stop the narrative right here
1: this is such a great note to close on because i think the last piece of advice that i want to leave all of our listeners with which is that uh Having sex with someone is not an inevitability. It's like not. obviously absent absent like coercion and violence. I, I'm talking about sex with someone that you are choosing to do. It is not something that's going to happen to you. And sometimes we like to pretend when we want to sleep with somebody that we think we shouldn't or in a way that would violate our values or principles, we think, "Well, my feelings were just too strong, couldn't be helped." Mm. It can be helped. You don't have to sleep with someone just because you're very attracted to them. You that's actually very can. True. You actually can just be attracted to someone, wish you could sleep with them, and then don't. Yeah, I should know. Right? Like, Bim, have you have you done that ever? <laughs> Has there ever been someone you were attracted to you and so, you didn't sleep with?
0: So many times. It's actually as easy as buying a loaf of bread. It's it happens so often. It's just as mundane.
1: Yeah. It's just well, that's something. Just that not a tractor beam. It's, it can't pull you
0: in against your will. It doesn't have that kind of power. It is powerful, but it is not that yeah. powerful. It doesn't physically move you into position. To have sex with someone. Yeah, you still have to
1: make choices. You do. So at the very least, don't deny your agency in these situations. Right, right. Bim, I'm so, so, so glad, A, of all that you were on the show today. You were just a fantastic, wonderful guest. And B, of all that you and I have decided to fall in love and move in together. I mean,
0: listen, this is why I moved to America. So I'm glad. You will never
1: have to buy a loaf of bread again. Oh, my God. I'm going to take
0: such good care of you. I'm so touched. I can't wait for our life to begin.
1: I'm so ready. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash Dear Prudence to subscribe. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute, tops.